mindfulness mode. We're imperfect beings and that's okay. Hey, Mindful Tribe, welcome to the show. Today we're talking to a guest who has dealt with combat zones in the desert. He's been a guide uh, for a spiritual community that we're going to hear about. And he has a lot of deep thoughts that he's going to share with us about his personal beliefs. I'm here today with John Lawyer. John, are you in mindfulness mode today? I am. Just shortly before we talked, I kind of uh, slowed things down a little bit and uh, and got in mindfulness mode. That's fantastic. What does mindfulness mean to you, John? I think for me, it's it's kind of stopping a bit so that I can and can just see, not just with my eyes, but with my whole you know kind of self and and, and being. And uh, it is slowing things down and having that peace and calm inside. You know, even in situations that might not be so so peaceful and calm. So you have been at war. You were in the desert. Tell us about that. Yeah, joined the army right out of high school. This is right before 9-11, about a year ahead of before that. And uh, as a counterintelligence special agent, then 9-11 happened. And I spent half my enlistment, two and a half years in Kuwait. And then I would go on to spend uh, over a year and a half in Baghdad. And, and then six and a half years in Kandahar, Afghanistan. Uh, so yeah, I spent mostly about 12 of my first 15 years of my adult life uh, at, at war in various states. Was it hard for you to transition into a different kind of life after that? Well, that's a, that's a great question, uh, Bruce. I, I think that for me, absolutely, it, it was my identity. You know, war was my identity. It was probably an addiction as well. You get kind of conditioned to it. Uh, even like in your, in your, if physiologically. And so coming home, I didn't really have an identity beyond that. And, uh, I came home in 2015 in the next seven years, I was, I wasn't in the desert. I was kind of lost in the desert still. And Mm. so it took a lot of time to, to even be able to heal if that makes any sense. So, Yeah. yeah, I actually had a, a, I got, matched up with a VA therapist randomly when I, when I came home and she actually happened to be into Eastern medicine and, oh. uh, which is rare, rare. And, you know, she gave me the power of now and I, I read it, you know, that first year that I was home and it, it didn't mean anything to me, you know, mm-hmm. I've obviously reread it since and it means a lot to me now, but, uh, yeah, that's kind of my story as far as the transition to, to kind of a more peaceful place. And tell me about the Kisher spiritual community. What's that all about? Yeah, you know, I kind of, as I started to finally be able to heal, I had I had this kind of like moment of understanding or clarity. It was the universe made a lot of sense to me that we're kind of all one and there's a oneness in, in all of us. And I uh, I wanted to be able to not help people, but I wanted to be able to help people help themselves and find a light that they have, even if they can't see it. And I wanted a place that might be online where people could have a smaller community that wasn't Facebook or Instagram or mm-hmm. any of the big things where we could actually have meaningful conversations and share our journeys and help each other on the path. And uh, I think there's a place for that in our modern technological world where we can have, you know, 
community and we can still have uh, a meaningful connection. And and that's why I created Keyshar is to 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 start that. And I've been working on it for two years. Uh, we recently launched and it's a nonprofit um, uh, and all the funds from it go back into helping members and and things like that. What does the word Keyshar mean or where did you get that word? Uh, you know, the name's always important, and I thought thought about it for quite a while. My wife and I talked about it. She's she's been through a lot of the same experiences as me with war and stuff, and helped me form the community. And it's uh, named after the Sumerian goddess from Mother Earth, or Gaia, kind of. And it also represents the line on the horizon, which I thought was kind of a beautiful representation of the journey we're all on. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know where we can have that destination we might have in mind but we should we should really enjoy the journey so tell me what this looks like do people call in are there group calls what is this about so it's a it's a community where you you join up and we have uh kind of forums or, or channels that you can discuss uh um spiritual ideas topics we have uh conversation starters every day for various topics there's um one of the things we believe in is is let's talk about spirituality about how can we be grounded and centered in our day-to-day lives in the real world and and create more time and space for being spiritual and so sleep or you know finances or health and wellness fitness whatever whatever it is um let's have a conversation about it let's help each other out and uh daily meditation prompts and some journaling stuff and then we do uh, weekly uh, live Zoom calls where we can have a spiritual roundtable, talk about a subject, um, things like that. So, so do you host most together. of those calls yourself? I do. Uh, yeah, they're uh, uh, just a subject we'll bring up, lightly moderated, uh, and it's a very uh, collaborative experience. Uh, and that's what we're trying to build uh, is a place where people feel comfortable talking. And even if they don't, uh, there's enough other people talking to, uh, to help people out and maybe show people that, you know, I, I think that it's kind of come as you are. It's for any, I'm, I'm a, I'm a universalist and ominous. So I believe, you know, in, you know, come, come with whatever you want. I don't have an answer for everything. Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody does. So that right. I was thing. just going to ask you about that word. You consider yourself an omnist. Tell Mindful Tribe what that means. It means that I, I don't subscribe to any specific uh, religious or spiritual construct. I think that uh, I have a great respect for the sum of all great human thought from across time and throughout the world. And I think that it's all pointing in a very similar direction. And I think that it's all part of the same puzzle. And, uh, I think that we should be able to to have a moving target as to what the answer is. I should, you know, we can rephrase how we ask questions, and it's a uh, it's just a very kind of open hearted way to uh, be inclusive of all the good ideas that are out there. I'm really curious. After all you've been through, and now you you help people with their spirituality. Could you ever see yourself becoming a soldier again and going back into that <laughs> mode? Uh, I would say I don't believe too much in absolutes. I think the way absolutes probably change, but I would still answer that question. Absolutely not. 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, if they, I, you know, I, I, the unit I was part of in Afghanistan, I was there for six and a half consecutive years and, uh, it was definitely a brotherhood of sisterhood. And if they came and wanted to get the band back together, I'd have to tell them, no, you know, that, um, that part of my life is, is closed. You know, it, it's complicated. I was good at my job. I was passionate about my job. Um, I was even a little zen about my job and didn't know it. You know, I was very focused. Um, but that that life is it was full of uh, there's darkness there. Uh, there's violence. And um, I think definitely that part of my life is is over. Right. Right. What do you consider to be your higher purpose? Uh, yes, that's, that questions everything for me because I believe that each of us has a unique higher purpose or Dharma. And I think that if we don't find it, we should look for it. And if we know it, how do we align that with our day-to-day lives? And I think my, my higher purpose, when I had kind of my moment of understanding a couple of years ago, about two years ago now, I knew my higher purpose was to do what I'm doing, to shed light where I can so that people can see their own light. Um, to have conversations with people about my own experiences and, and learn about theirs, ask questions about the universe and, and find a better answer. And uh, I, to make myself a better person and therefore make the world a better place. Well, you have a podcast called Peace on Your Journey. Tell us about your podcast and what that has taught you. You know, I one of the things I wanted to do to to share, I wanted to share with people. And so I made made this podcast and YouTube channel and I just have conversations about uh, letting go or maybe, you know, getting what you want or need and, and being careful what you wish for. But there's also beauty and manifestation. There's there's two sides of that coin. And I also that's 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 every Sunday. And then on Wednesdays, I do a series of uh, reviews of discussions on books I've read on spirituality, religion, self-help, philosophy. Uh, so it's kind of a, a one in one there. And uh, just trying to start a conversation with people again. I, I really want to know what people think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that uh, just bringing people together. So does your wife help you in this journey? Does she help you with Kishar and everything? She absolutely does. Uh, she is kind of a, an artist and uh, a graphic designer, amateur, but still she's good at what she does. And so she mm-hmm. takes care of the art and the audiovisual technical technology stuff. And um, yeah, she's right there, right there with me. It's been uh, a rewarding experience for both of us. That's fantastic. And I know your website is kishar.org, K-I-S-H-A-R, kishar.org. What can we expect to find when we visit your website? Uh, That's a a page that'll tell you what we're all about. Uh, There's a short video describing some of the background that we have. Uh, Another friend of ours helps us with the the community that we met in Afghanistan. She lives Mm -hmm. in Bosnia and uh, had her own experience with... uh, with war and it'll give you an idea of what our community does, what we're all about, what our values are, uh, and our beliefs and how you can join. And, you know, I hope people can, can find, um, uh, some, some space and time to, to check it out. 
How much does it cost to join your community? That's a great question. Like I said, we're a nonprofit, but the the monthly the first monthly membership is is twenty five dollars a month. Um, there's some other memberships as well that offer some additional uh, services. But uh, I kind of grapple long and hard with with that. But it costs it costs money to to have the servers and run the technology and all that. So we feel good about it. all the all the funds go back into the nonprofit, help the community and. Mm-hmm. And essentially go back to making our membership experience a more meaningful uh, situation. Yeah, well, that's that's very interesting. I want to ask you a question, John, about bullying. And uh, if you have a story you can share with us about this topic and how maybe mindfulness would have made a difference. I really appreciate what you do with that. And I think about that takes me back to when I was a child. I was kind of awkward as a child, um, and I, I, I don't have like a specific bullying instance that that specifically comes to mind. But what I think about when you ask me that question is, I never felt like I belonged mm. in my in school, and I never felt accepted for a long time, for years until I got into high school, and I think that mindfulness for myself or others would have led to a a more accepted experience a more connected experience um i and i mean that probably both with myself and with others and Mm -hmm. i think that kind of is what what resonates when i when i hear that question right when you think back do you ever uh feel like you moved through a trauma that changed some of the ways that your life unfolded uh you know it my when i was when i was a kid my parents my parents got divorced when i was a sophomore it happens to a lot of people my sister went off to college and they got divorced they, they kind of waited on her to get out of the house then then they got divorced before i got out of the house and she was valedictorian and all of that and i wasn't a great student uh, like her and I wasn't on that path and and then uh, I tried to live with my mom for a while and she couldn't handle me and vice versa and so I lived with my dad but then he he'd had a business that that had failed after 30 years and so he went on the road to be a truck driver and he would send me money but I lived by myself in high school for the last couple of years mm-hmm. um took care of myself, took care of my grandparents. My dad would send me money. Um, and I wouldn't say it was fully tra- traumatic. It, it was a definitely a, a learning experience for me. Um, and then obviously I've, I've had, I've had traumas, uh, multiple traumas then in my, in my military experience that I've, I've kind of had to grapple with since, uh, since that, that time which I've done a, a good job with, but there, you know, it's, it's hard to ever say it's completely gone. Yeah. Yeah. If you wrote a book, tell us what would be the overall message you would want to be getting across to the reader. I would say, love yourself, uh, take care of yourself before you do anything else. Cause if you don't love yourself, if you don't take care of yourself, you're not good to anybody else. It's that, that oxygen mask on the airplane situation where you got to put yourself 
I think you put your mask on first before you help the person next to you. And, uh, and if you do that, if you take care of yourself, you love yourself, then you'll lift up yourself. You lift up the world around you. I think that's a, an important message of loving kindness. And, uh, and that, you know, even if, even if you don't think that you're whole right now, if you're broken or if you're busted and it's dark, you are still whole inside. You just can't see it. And there's a light there, even if you can't feel it. And, uh, you know, it's hard, but, uh, take a, take a minute and, and you can find a way. And it doesn't have to be a lonely journey either. I, I would love to tell people that some people think that the spiritual path or the path to healing, it has to be lonely. And I don't, I don't think that's true. I think there's a lot of warmth out there in the world that, uh, sometimes we don't see cause we don't hear about it. One of the things I read about you, John, is that you described yourself having walked through a swamp of sadness. Was that depression? And if so, how did you get out of it? It was definitely a swamp of sadness. And I, I used that because people used to ask me what Afghanistan was like. And I'd be like, oh, that's a good question. And I would say it, it's from the never ending story, you know, where. Atreyu and, and his horse Artax are going through that swamp of sadness, and and I it always resonated with me even as a little kid. But obviously later on, that if you're in the swamp, you could sink and get lost and, and be gone. And so I, it was depression, and it was darkness, and uh, I think part of it was I didn't let myself sink all the way, and I, I love that about myself. I appreciate that about myself. And, and I eventually found a way out, uh, of it. And I think that it's, uh, and there's a lot of darkness there. And I think that we, we talk about positivity. We talk about the, the, the light side of the, the yin and the yang, right. You know, but I think that the, the darkness is there. It's out there. It's part of us. Um, I think accepting that, I think acceptance is an incredibly powerful thing. And so I think beginning to be able to accept the darkness and, and know that it's there, know that I'm never going to be completely separate from it, helps me get out of it. Well, it sounds like you help so many people through your Keyshark spiritual community. Can you share a story about someone that you've met through that community and you were able to transform them in a way? Sure. Uh one of the things that I think is most powerful in the world, you brought it up earlier, the higher purpose. Mm -hmm. And I really like to explore with people. Do you know what your higher purpose is? Do you have a, do you have the essence of it? Can you find it? And then once you kind of have a, a feeling of it and an idea of it, how do you align that with, with, with your day-to-day -day life, with your job, your vocation, with, with how you live each day. And I've helped a, some people with that. And that's a really powerful transformation that you can go from not knowing why you're here in the universe, not being aware of it, to suddenly having that awareness and intention and, and being able to integrate that with how you then live the rest of your life. And it really is a life-changing thing. And to see that process has been incredibly powerful for me. I 
think I read that you're in Texas. Were you born there and you grew up there and spent a lot of your life there then? I grew up in Oklahoma, actually. Okay. Uh, yeah, I grew up. It's a weird upbringing. I, I grew up in Oklahoma. In a, I, I grew up in the conservative Southern Baptist Church. But my family, my mom and dad were, were progressive liberals. So it's kind of a, a dichotomy uh, there. And um, yeah, that's where I spent the first 18 years of my life was in Oklahoma. Well, wait, I don't get that. Like they were liberals, but you went to a Baptist church? Yeah, because their parents on both sides were, you know, my grandfather on one side was a deacon and oh. grandma sang, sang in the church and played piano. And on the other side, my grandfather was the education minister of a Baptist church. And uh, my grandma lived in the church basically on the other side. So, I mean, both sides were just so, it was so ingrained in the family. Right. that They were steeped in that tradition then. It was hard to break out of it, right? Right. So, um, I, you know, I don't, it was an interesting experience and I obviously have, it gives me a background in Christianity that, you know, I'm not Christian now. I feel more Christian now as a universalist omnist than I ever felt as a Southern Baptist. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, I mean, Christ, Christ consciousness, the mystical side of it, you know, I believe that there's something in the, the peaceful, kind teachings there that is worthwhile. Uh, that's really interesting. Yeah. Well, so do you consider yourself to have had an awakening? Uh, I do. Yeah, I, I would uh, absolutely describe it as that. That is one of the words that I had. I mean, it was the ultimate peace and calm I felt. It was warm. It was uh, uh, it was a very mindful experience. <laughs> Maybe the most mindful experience. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it's changed me. I don't. I'm not into politics anymore. I care about the world. I care about people around me. But I'm more. I'm a humanist. I want people to love each other. And I don't talk about politics anymore. And I don't. I don't argue with people on the internet anymore. Um, you know, it's a, it's my whole life has changed. Um, so yeah, it was definitely an awakening. So how do you deal with the people around you and the world around you when it sounds like you're quite different from a lot of the rest of the world? Yeah, I, I think that's, I am. And I, that's one of the reasons I wanted to create a community is because I feel like there's uh there's a place for that. And I, I still have friends and family I talk to. They're just quote unquote normal people. I'm, I'm, I'm perfectly happy to engage with them and, and love mm -hmm. them and be, be around them. But I also want to have conversations like you and I are having and, um, and, and have, have meaningful discourse on it. So it's, it, it, you know, I've, I've gone the last two Thanksgiving without talking about politics at the family table, you know, so, um, you know, it's, it's working. And I, I think that people noticed it and I hopefully people appreciate it and maybe it'll change it just a little bit inside of them. You know, maybe it's, uh, like I said, making the world a, a little bit better, yeah, step by step. So how do you find the people that end up engaging with you in this Kishar community? Where do they come from? Uh, well, they, they come from all over. I've, there's, 
uh, a couple of members that I, I met in Afghanistan that are interested in, in spiritual journey. Uh, some friends and family. Uh, we're getting the word out through our, our our YouTube channel and podcast and talking to people just like you, trying to let people know, hey, we're here. You know, mm -hmm. fine. And we just launched last month in October. So. Oh, did you? Um, so this yeah, community so is is quite new then. It's it's new. We had some people that were helping us test out, and so there's been people. We've been, you know testing it with people and kind of going through the process but yeah mm -hmm. as far as ma making it available to the public is just last month in october i see so if you were ever to have a retreat for your community what would that look like i think it would be something where find a quiet place uh in the mountains or maybe by the the ocean i think the water is very powerful you know uh and I, I would like to work with people to discover their higher purpose and how to align that with their their day to day lives. Like I was talking about earlier, I think that would be a good idea. I think that I've always thought about doing a retreat where you, you do a retreat so that you can figure out how to take the retreat home with you. Yes, um, which is very mindful, I think. Uh, you know, so yeah, I think that would be a good idea as well. Yeah, well, I see a lot of books behind you. Uh, it sounds like you really like to read a lot. What are some of the books that come to mind when you think about this topic that we're talking about? That's a beautiful question. Books are, are, are great. I think that one of the books that has, has had the most impact on me is uh, Breading Sweetgrass by Robin Wall Kimmerer. And it really goes into how we're not in nature, but we are nature. And some of the great traditions of the Anishinaabe uh, indigenous Native Americans and just being one with nature and the one with the, the world. And that was powerful. I think uh, Sri Ramana Maharishi and, and, and the, the question of who am I and his spiritual teachings is a very powerful, I mean, one of the most powerful books I think anyone could ever read. And it's really short too. So it's uh, very meaningful. So I try to, to rotate through different constructs and traditions and, and try to, to, to be eclectic so that we can, I can get a, kind of a broad range of things. Do your wife and yourself have children? You know, we were we were overseas during most of those years. We would have had kids. We, we have a 12-year-old lab that was in Afghanistan with us as a working dog. That's about yeah. as close as we got. Right. And what did that lab teach you about mindfulness? <laughs> You know, uh, that's a good question. I think that, uh, God, it's, I think that if you slow everything down, you, you, just, you have gratitude and appreciation. There's like, when you talk about your, your pet, your, your dog, it, it's true love always and unconditional. And I mean, I think there's something to that. I think you're right. I think you're right for sure. As we move forward in the interview, Richard, I want to ask you five quick answer questions. So just 30 second answers are perfect. The first one is this, who is one person who has been a powerful mindfulness influence in your life? That's actually a tough question. Um, I, I would say, uh, I, it's, I would say Ram Dass, reading Ram Dass, Be Here Now, I think that's been a very powerful, the book itself had power when I opened it out of the post office. So. Yeah, oh, that's cool. 
Let's talk about your emotions and how mindfulness has changed the way you deal with your emotions. You know, I had a lot of anger inside of me coming home uh, and so maybe some rage. It's hard to talk about, but I think being able to slow down and not react to things, you know, I think that's been the biggest thing is, is being able to process things as they happen and not be as reactionary to events where I might get frustrated because of a lack of control or because we can't, you know, something like that. I think that's been very helpful. Yeah. Let's talk about breathing. Are there any thoughts that you can share with us or techniques that you use as far as breathing is concerned? Absolutely. I had I had a bit of a, a kind of a breakdown once. Stacey and I were uh, usually deployed together, but we were apart for a year and I was in Afghanistan and I was not good. I kind of had a little breakdown, a little mini breakdown. And, and a f good friend of mine, an uh, uh, Air Force guy, told me about combat breathing and 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 it really it was it was just meditative breathing you know they call it combat breathing but it really uh centered me and and, and it it helped me heal oh, that's great can you tell us more about that the specifics of it it's just uh kind of stopping uh inhaling for uh, a three or four step you know variations the hold mm -hmm. And then, you know, in through the nose, out through the mouth, uh, rinse it and repeat, close your eyes, quiet your mind. And, and it's simple, but it just, it just works. Fantastic. And you already mentioned a book about mindfulness, but are there any apps at all that you use that help with mindfulness? I do read a lot. And one of the apps I use for kind of mindful reading is called Bookly. And okay. it's a, it's an app that tracks if you're using a physical book, you can take notes in it from your own notes. You can take a picture of a, a paragraph and it'll convert it into text into the app and you can save that and, and it's pretty cool. Oh, that is cool. I haven't heard of that before. Sounds yeah. great. Yeah. Well, as we get close to the end of the interview, I want to ask you if you have any final words of advice for Mindful Tribe listeners. You know, uh, don't chase perfection. Uh, you know, I think that, you know, we're, we're imperfect beings and that's okay. And, uh, you know, accept, accept those things that come along that aren't perfect and, and take them for what they are and just be yourself and you'll be fine. I think that's good advice. Well, Richard, I thank you very much for being on the show and thank you for starting your community. Uh, I don't know why I called you Richard, because I know <laughs> your okay. name is John. Sorry about that. You're, no, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> so, John, thank you so much for being on the show and starting your community. And uh, I just wish you all the best with this as you move forward. Thank you, Bruce. I appreciate you having me on. You're welcome. Bye now. Goodbye. Hey, Mindful Tribe, thanks for listening once again. Great to have you with us. I always appreciate the likes and the, the comments on the podcast, whether it's on Apple or any place else where you listen. 
And this episode is sponsored by Stand Up Now Coaching. And the coaching includes hypnosis and mindset coaching. And if you're struggling, maybe you have anxiety, maybe you have stress, maybe you can't figure out why you're not able to move forward and feel like you're living a life worthwhile, jump on a call with me and we'll talk about how we can uh, help you to move forward, help you to rid your life of that anxiety and that stress and those haunting thoughts. So send me an email, Bruce at mindfulnessmode.com. We'll set up a call and we'll talk about how we can work together and help you through these challenges. And with that, take what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.